Hey everyone, I'm John Steele, and this is After Four, a podcast for InterVarsity alumni. Life after college is hard, and even a great experience with your InterVarsity chapter doesn't shield you from the challenges of transition. As we hear stories from real alumni learning how to make it in their post-InterVarsity reality, my hope is that this podcast will offer some encouragement, a few laughs, and even some hope for the future. This is After Four, and these are your stories. Hey, you made it. Welcome to After Four, the podcast for InterVarsity alumni. I'm really glad you're here. And hey, let's be honest, even if you aren't InterVarsity alumni, I'm still glad you're here. It's just going to cost you double. Well, I've got a great episode queued up for you here. This time I'm chatting with a couple from South Dakota, Daniel and Leah. This was a fun experience interviewing two people at once. I think they do a great job of working together to provide a well-rounded story of their life. It hasn't all been puppies and hammocks in the shade. I'm grateful for their honesty and the real picture that they paint of the challenges they've experienced since graduating. Take a listen and enjoy. Daniel and Leah, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Thanks for having us. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Great to be here. Everybody that I've talked to so far has been married. You will be the first married couple that we interview at the same time here. So way to, like to do things together. Way to blaze a trail here with us. <laughs> so as we get started here, let's take a little trip down memory lane first. What school did you two attend and when did you graduate? So I went to South Dakota School of Mines and Technology out in Rapid City, South Dakota. And I graduated in December of 2016. So it took me four and a half years. I often say it's a four-year program that's done mostly in five. Nice. So you split the difference. Yep. And I got my degree in industrial engineering and engineering management. And I went to South Dakota State University in Brookings, South Dakota, and studied nursing. And I graduated in December of 2014. Okay, so both South Dakota schools, but two different South Dakota schools. So yeah. how did this, uh, I mean, how did this happen? <laughs> so Leah's two years older than me. Uh -huh. um, and we met at uh, South Dakota Winter Conference, where our two schools met in Pierre, South Dakota. And that's where Leah and, I, Leah and I met. That was my first winter conference. Leah had been to probably a handful. Uh, I was a sophomore. Leah was a senior. Yeah, we were both involved in our own university chapters at our own school. Yeah. Okay. And then Leah invited me to a spring break trip with her, Milwaukee Urban Project. Oh, yeah. With Chris Nielsen. I was recruiting at Winter Conference, and nice. I asked him if he had any plans for spring break. He said no, so I kept bothering him about it, and he came. <laughs> yep. And I ended up driving to Brookings to ride up with you guys to the rest of the way to Milwaukee. I brought a couple students from mines with me and uh, the rest is history. <laughs> InterVarsity spring break trips, bringing couples together for decades. Yeah, that's yes. right. <laughs> Chris Nielsen takes credit. That's funny. My wife and I also had a fairly important week at a spring break trip down in St. Louis years ago. So, well, so speaking of sort of the beginnings of things, how did you two get involved in InterVarsity to begin with? So senior year of high school, I started looking at colleges and, you know, like a good engineer I am, I made a spreadsheet with my pros and cons <laughs> list. And of course. Cost of tuition, you know, all the factors. And I think one of the factors on there was a campus ministry. And mm. my dad, for a reason I'm not really sure, knew about InterVarsity. And he was excited that South Dakota School of Mines had that. And that was definitely on the pros list. And then when we 
went out to do a campus tour. We actually contacted the staff worker, Rick Demarest, who was out there, and we were able to meet with him while I was doing the campus visit. And it's a little bit of a unique story that I knew about InterVarsity before going to college, where right. a lot of students find out once they get there, and it takes them a few weeks to figure out. It has nothing to do with sports. Uh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> Leah, how about you? I was a freshman when I first started getting involved with InterVarsity. I was a believer coming into college, so being involved in a ministry wasn't something uncomfortable or foreign to me at all. But at the same time, I definitely didn't look into different campus ministries before coming. It wasn't really on my radar as something I need to like find right away or get plugged into. Sure. And I think I first talked with Amy Spar, who is our campus staff during the organization fair where you could just walk around and get free stuff. And, you know, I think I just started talking to her there and then she invited me to be part of a freshman small group. She would not take no for an answer. <laughs> she was got my number and texted me and invited me and reminded me and met up with me a lot of times before I committed to being part of anything. Yeah. Looking back, I'm thankful for her persistence, but she mm. definitely got me involved. Funny how that seems to be the story for so many people. You know, Daniel, you said that your story is maybe a little more unique of like, oh, I knew coming in that this is what I was looking for, got plugged in right away. And then Leah, it's like, it took some persistence on the part of a staff worker or on the part of another student. That so often seems to be the case. The relationship started with many, many no's <laughs> and then <laughs> finally a yes, which turned into something really amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So then as you think about your time in InterVarsity, I'm sure that there are many, many stories that come to mind, but what's a story or two that you look back on your InterVarsity career and say, this is one that really sticks out to me as super important? I'm going back to MUP. Besides meeting, meeting <laughs> you, which was significant, it was also like the most significant InterVarsity conference mm. that I attended while I was at school. It opened my eyes to like injustice in the city of Milwaukee and discrimination that still occurs and segregation that occurs as far as dividing lines in the city. And Chris Nielsen did a really good job of bringing that to the forefront and like let us observe it. And it was also my first introduction to inductive Bible study, which was transformative as well. Like we would have those, you know, two hour Urbana style manuscripts. Yes. And I had never been exposed to something like that. And as an engineer, obviously, I like <laughs> patterns, I like systems. And yeah, just to have that structure really helped me get into the word. Yeah, I remember my early experiences with spring break trips, eyes open to the idea that injustice is happening. And yeah. it's not just these sort of desolate places where these terrible things are happening, but that it happens here. And then also the way that it was just seamlessly tied into, and this is part of the gospel. Right. This is a foundational part of what Jesus came to say, like, this is not good. I'm not just here to get you to believe in me. I'm here to actually wipe out injustice and in very practical evil things that are happening in the world. And I remember that just being eye-opening for me, being like, wow, this is stuff about the gospel that I feel like I've missed for 20-some years here. How is that possible? Yeah, and that's definitely how I felt as well. Leah, how about you? What's something that stands out to you as an important story? One thing that definitely still sticks with me today and has impacted me as I've grown into, I guess, an adult out on my own is the friendships with the different kind of people that mm. I feel like had I not been involved in university, I probably wouldn't have maybe become friends with because it yeah. wasn't all the people that were just like me. We had several international students that I became just close friends with in college mm. that 
was such a treat and such a gift and just broadened my perspective of the world so much and helped me learn to love Mm. and share the gospel in a different way and to meet their families. Things that had I just been at SDSU and living in the dorms and going to nursing school, going to basketball games or whatever, I wouldn't have had this rich cultural experience in my college. So that that has really stuck with me. Friends that we're still friends with today that are from the Bahamas and from Ghana and from Bangladesh and like real friends of mine. It's amazing how important those relationships are and wonderful that InterVarsity has helped us learn how to cultivate some of those things. Now, I know the two of you graduated two years apart, and so it'll be interesting to see how your answers are different because of that difference in your timeline. But can you look back on that time when you were looking towards graduation, and can you identify some expectations that you had about the life that you were about to step into? I graduated first, so I was thinking about these things two years ahead of you. You kind of got like an extra two years of college without having to do all the homework. (laughs) He said that because when I graduated, I moved out to Rapid City where he was going to school. Oh, okay. I kind of was volunteer staff on his campus. I was working as a nurse and still a part of their university chapter. When I was anticipating graduation, I was in nursing school, so I was fully expecting to work as a nurse when I graduated from college. Of course, that's what I would do. But university was such an impactful time of my life, and I really wrestled with joining staff or going into, like, starting in the nursing career. So I even attended um, one of the staff conferences in St. Louis with university. I really, really wrestled with, should I join staff right away? Should I be a nurse? Should (laughs) Should I do volunteer staff and be a nurse? Should I do... Nurse Christian Fellowship, <laughs> like, yeah. What, yeah. what should I do? Like, I really want to do both of these things. I'm not ready to be done with university, but I am studying to be a nurse. So yeah. I wrestled with that for a long time, then yeah. ultimately decided to study for the NCLEX, pass boards, and then help on campus and stay involved in other ways. Leo, what was that like wrestling through these two potential callings that you were considering? That was really hard for me because I felt like I was choosing between two really good things. Mm. I felt like I couldn't really do both well. I just felt a lot of tension, even kind of like guilt between Mm. choosing, like if I pick one, then what about the other? And Yeah. This has been my struggle even as a staff worker, as there's been times that I've come to sort of a decision point in my life of like, do I stay on staff or do I pursue something different? You know, is there something else that the Lord has in store for me? And how even in those moments, I've really struggled with guilt over the thought of leaving staff. And not that that's what's ultimately kept me here by any means, but yeah, having those thoughts of like, this is a ministry job. Obviously, this would be the most honoring thing that I can do for God and in my life. All the while forgetting that the vast majority of what I've done as a staff worker is to try to prepare people to go into their fields, to be Christians in their (laughs) field, and to to be a world changer in that way. And it's just funny how I can totally forget that and make this split as like one of these is more holy than the other one. And it was a little bit easier for me. So like senior year of high school, I kind of figured out what major I should go into, like what I felt like I was kind of made for. The only thing I maybe was hoping for that I haven't quite gotten to yet is like wanting to do more kingdom work. Like mm. I think what I'm doing is exactly what I should be doing, but I wish it had, you know, more of an impact 
on the kingdom rather than just impact on, you know, somebody's bottom line. It's interesting that we've spent so much time as students in university and learning of, you know, what does it look like to be applying my faith in my major, with my classmates, with my roommates, all of these things. And then we step into this new place and then it's like, okay, now how do I do this again? Is that something that you have like spent a lot of time wrestling with? How do I affect kingdom change in my work? Or is that something that you're sort of at ease with of like, you know, the Lord's going to direct me. So like the initial plan right out of college, I'm a planner. I was thinking, okay, I'll work for five, 10 years, get out of debt, have a nest egg, and then potentially take a big pay cut to work for a nonprofit to do some kingdom work. But in those, you know, five to 10 years, being trained up into how to be a professional that's efficient and and learn how like the ins and outs of the of the business because if i you know would have done it right out of school there was some fear of you know not knowing enough to be helpful and so that's where i started focusing i'm really working hard at personal development so i'm in my second job out of school now so i started kind of stagnating in my first job where i wasn't really uh developing anymore i was you know i kind of knew knew what i needed to do every day and it just took you know, X amount of hours to do it. And then that was it. And then a recruiter reached out about another opportunity in, in town here. And um, I ended up jumping on that. And yeah. I can more see the skills I'm learning here transition into some of the ministry type things that have caught my eye at like at Urbana. Yeah, I think that we can really forget that we have been created in a particular way. Not that that means that we can only do one thing, but that there are like skills and giftings that have been given to us that still need to be developed and that it's okay to take the time to actually get good at something. You know, what does it look like to do the very best that we can in the place that we've been called to and to take the time to actually develop and to grow and to get good at what we're trying to do so that we can be effective in the kingdom work that we want to do? Leo, what about for you? Are there places that have either not met expectations or where you have come across some of these same things, asking big questions about like, what am I doing here? I really enjoyed working as a nurse and have had zero doubts that God created me to care for his people. And I knew that already. That wasn't really something I ever really doubted, but it's been easy for me to feel like I am can live out the gospel in just showing love and compassion and and caring for people, caring for families and walking alongside them in challenging times. I still want to do more in a local church and doing ministry and studying scripture and teaching people how to study scripture. Those types of things I miss from university. It's a different part of being a follower of Jesus, but working as a nurse has been a good place for me to serve. I definitely think that the nursing community is such an obvious example of like the living hands and feet of Jesus. You figure that you are stepping right into the mess of it, just like Jesus would. People who make physical contact with others who are sick, who speak words of comfort, oftentimes are like with people in these really hard moments or even in their final moments when their family members can't be there. Those are such obvious Jesus moments to me of living out your faith in very practical and important ways. Are there places that that has not been the case for you where you look at, this is sort of what I expected my life to look like after college, after university, and it does not look the way that I thought it would. I don't know if I didn't realize what 40 hours a week felt like. (laughs) uh, (laughs) Yeah. 
not old. I'm 26 years old. I know. Old. I'm a young man. Like, and it, <laughs> like, in the internships I had, I mean, I was working over 40 hours a week, but I didn't have a wife and, and child at home. Or a home that you owned? Yeah, or a home that I was taking care of. 40 hours a week, it's a lot, a lot of time. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Seriously, you feel old when you're still so young. Yeah, exactly. And I don't have the time to do all the things that I thought I would have time to do. Like my expectations for life, you know, work some. Don't have to study or do homework. Yeah, so you should right. have a bunch of extra time. Yes, right. right. So, Man. You know, yeah, you know, work. Yeah, we can do that. That's good. You know, play. Yeah, let's, let's play. Like, <laughs> yeah. Basketball, work out, run. You just have time to read. But what's it really like? In reality, you just have time to do the dishes. I don't do laundry, but if I did, I'd have to do it. (laughs) Lawn care. Make supper. Get your kids ready for bed. Yeah. There it's a day. Now you have to hurry up and get in bed because morning's coming fast. That's how it feels at our house during the week. I don't know if anybody can relate to that. (laughs) Oh, I know people can. And I didn't even mention like church in that. It feels like another thing that you'd have to add in to the already busy world that we have. And so many people are so much more busy than us. We know they are because we're not in, you know, a lot of extra stuff and we only have one baby. Right. We know that a lot of people are a whole lot more busy than us, but I guess it's just more to speak to this expectation that it's going to be nice when all we have to do is go to work. It's just not been the reality. Yeah. I mean, we expect them to be involved in our church and maybe leading a small group at some point and, that sort of thing but the reality of it was it never came into fruition because life got in the way that's one expectation that i think you know after we were married and moved somewhere that we would be able to find a church that was really bible teaching and really missional and that we could be involved with and that we could keep studying the scripture and teaching other people inductive bible study and <laughs> yeah we'd have opportunities to be taught like we were in college and those things we just really miss from college yeah, yeah. Not because of our church, but just because life got in the way and we weren't really prepared to, we didn't know what it would look like. (laughs) We didn't know life would look like this. Yeah. Um, And we didn't know which church we should go to and how do we decide which church is right for us? And is there one church that's right for us? Or do we just Mm. pick a church and just stick with it? you know, stick with it. And then who, like, do you approach people to just say, hey, I'm a good small group leader can I lead one here? Yeah. yeah. Or do you just attend for a while? And then we haven't figured that out yet. <laughs> yeah. Didn't navigate that well. Yeah. That's interesting that I feel like such a huge thing that InterVarsity wants to do is to train up people who will be contributing members of their church. And it feels like we have the skill set to do that, but that we don't actually know how to get onboarded into it. Like university, I wish you would have given us sort of a joining a church 101, not just the skills that I could bring, but how do I actually practically let someone know I can do these things and get into that rhythm? I always feel like I had unrealistic expectations because of university, like university ruined me in a sense, (laughs) because I was so pursued by university folks initially. And they were constantly trying to challenge you, like, let's put you in an uncomfortable situation. You're leading next week and you can show up at a church and participate every single Sunday for months and nobody even you know might not even ask you to do something yeah and so i was like okay well you know when they're ready when there's a need they'll ask that's had my experience it makes me wonder where is that line in the relationship that we have with our church as far as like the pursuer and the pursuee whose job is it to do this where is the org fair at the 
beginning of the <laughs> yeah, let's just set up something here in this big open space. You can set up booths and you can tell your people exactly what you need help with. They can or, sign up contact cards and then yeah. they follow up with you. Yeah, exactly. That would be super helpful. And you know what's funny is that I feel like obviously every one of our churches are in need in one way or yeah, another. I'm sure they know what they are, yeah. Yeah, they, they are. And so that's like, am I just missing something or are they just not open enough about what they need? Or am I sitting around waiting too much for them to come pursue me? Our experience too has been that it's just takes so much more time to get involved in a church and feel really connected because in college, we'd go to small group and then we'd walk to supper together and then we'd go to the basketball game together. Yep. And then one of them was probably your roommate. And then the next day you'd have large group together. And it's just so much more time together and right. in your intimate spaces and yeah. Just, it's so different in the real world where you're together for one hour or 40 minutes of it, you're sitting quietly. Yeah. Afterwards, you kind of have to share your time between hi, 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 good to see you, small talk, yep. and then everybody leaves. Go yeah. for a week. Yeah. Maybe you get together <laughs> once during the week in a small group for an hour at somebody's house in the evening or something. But mm-hmm. I mean, we're not going to find the same kind of community as we have in, on a college campus. Right. And, as quick. and we shouldn't expect it. We don't expect it. But it's it definitely changes how you, you know, get connected. I think it's easy for us to make the comparison of, oh, my InterVarsity chapter just did this really well and my church just really doesn't. And for us to just miss like, no, you're comparing apples and oranges. Yes, it's Christian community, but it's so different. You're talking about three to five years age range that you're dealing with. And so many of those people have very similar life experiences that you can just fast track community. And it is so different uh, when you move into a church that has people from just born to 95 years old and have very different life experiences. It might feel worse, but better or worse isn't the right comparison. Like it's just so different that you have to rewire your brain to figure out how to interact with it. Are there other places that you look at and say like, wow, this is totally different than what I anticipated life looking like? I think it's been harder to build friendships or get to know even just our neighbors than I expected it would be. We're just now getting to know our neighbors and we've been in this house for three years almost. Yeah. And I mean, what it took was just us spending more time outside, which sounds (laughs) so obvious, but I only lived in the same house all of growing up. There was never a time where I didn't know a neighbor. Wow. And then if new people moved in, we always were there and we knew everybody else. So it's easy to meet the neighbors. Yeah. Then we moved to a town where you don't know anybody and you don't know any of the neighbors. I don't know. I never even thought about how that would go. I think I just always assumed that it would be easy to get to know your neighbors because they live right next door and you probably would see them every day. Yeah. It hasn't been that way. That's such real life, you know, whether it's because you lived in the same place your whole life and you just always knew your neighbors or because you lived in a dorm or an apartment with the people that you knew or you were really dedicated to starting a bible study on your dorm floor getting to know the people around you was just sort of a natural part of life and now you're starting from scratch that's hard nobody taught us how to do that it's all been orchestrated for us really you think back to the entirety of your school career you are put in a classroom with your peers and put through all of these experiences that draw you closer together, whether you're trying to get closer to them or not. And then you graduate and suddenly 
it's up to you now. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, go, yeah, go make friends, which is, which is really hard. We're not used to that. Okay, so if you could go back and go talk to your about-to-graduate self, oh. <laughs> what advice would you give yourself? I think if I would go back to talk to myself now, I was so excited about being missional after mm. college, mm-hmm. but I wasn't prepared for the daily spiritual disciplines or the like the daily yeah. mindset or like what was going to take to be missional or to help mm. us to live that out. Yeah. Like you can't just be missional in your mind if you're not doing anything to right. support that. But those are things that I wish I would have worked on at the same time. I don't know. I feel like life hit us just like a truck. We bought this house and then our air conditioner went out. Then our basement flooded, had to gut it. Oh, um, man. Then, we had two foster kids. Yeah. Foster kids started wow. showing up. Had some money stolen from us from one of the contractors. Yeah. And then, like, six months later, the basement was finally finished. And, like, we've been in this house for almost three years. And, like, I'm just now, like, putting my bookshelf up. It is amazing how just shockingly different life is once you get into this phase of it, not having the time that you anticipate, but then also how quickly you can lose some of those basic, fundamentally important rhythms that when you're surrounded by this community all the time, it's just sort of always at the front of your mind. And then you step away and it's so easy just to let that other stuff that you weren't expecting that just takes you by surprise to just totally take over. And to say, once this is done, then I'll get this other stuff back on track. And then you just realize like, oh, life is like this all the time. You just need to start doing this right now, even though life is chaos. And I'm talking to myself right now because I'm in the middle of one of those seasons of really struggling to just do the basic rhythms of my spiritual life that I need. You're making me feel better, John. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to hear that. Oh, We're man. Together. Thanks so much for joining me tonight. Thanks a lot for blessing the people who are going to be listening to this. I'm really grateful for, for you and for your time. And you are a part of carrying on that legacy. And you are fallible human beings who are trying to figure it out just like every other person before you and every person that will come after you is also trying to figure it out. And... I just hope you know that as alumni, you are so important to us and we're really grateful for all that you've done and all that you continue to do. Thank you, John. Thanks, John. Well, thanks again, Daniel and Leah, for sharing your story. I think it's really easy to feel the pressure to put forward this Instagram version of life when we're talking to others, and I'm grateful for their candor. They are faithful people who want to learn how to serve Jesus even in the seemingly mundane parts of life, and I think that's pretty amazing. You know what, alumni? I think you're pretty amazing, too. In case you haven't heard it recently, you are really loved by InterVarsity, and we cherish the legacy that you left on campus and the work you continue to do to be a part of ushering in God's kingdom in your own location. Life after InterVarsity is oftentimes a lot harder than we expected it to be. You are not failing. You're figuring it out. I hope this podcast can be an encouragement to you as you do that. Hey, if you haven't done it yet, check out our other episodes and share them with friends. Hopefully, we'll have more coming your way in the new year. And if I don't see you before then, Merry Christmas and Happy New Year, alumni.